Hello, everyone, and welcome back this week to Dead Dog Theology. I'm excited to be here with you guys as we have another faithful member of uh, Harvestfield Church's staff, uh, Kelly Carnes, with us this week. But first, uh, before we go to Kelly, I do want to bring in my co-host, our, our teaching elder, our lead pastor, Eric Reeves. Welcome, Eric. Hey, good morning, Luke. It's exciting to be here on episode six. Can't believe we've been doing this for, I don't know if this is six weeks, counting the introduction, but we're well on our way into our online discipleship uh, process of offering dead dog theology from the perspective of a very high view of the sovereignty of God, a, a valuable view of man, but certainly uh, um, illustrating the gospel of, of man being the benefactor of God's sovereignty. And so we talk about various topics and various things. And as you alluded to today, we're doing a staff interview with Kelly Carnes, and we're excited to talk to her and give our HSC listeners and others who might be tuning in you know, perspective uh, from from the workings of the inside of the staff here at Harvest Field. And it's a, uh, a blessing to us to be able to offer this to you guys this morning. Amen. So uh, I do have some good news that before I go into like the recap of, of last week, um, there is dead dog theology gear on the way to us. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not legit till you have merch. Is it merch? <laughs> yeah, we we got the swag. Is that what young people say? Merch. <laughs> what kind of what kind of gear? I've got uh, some Richard Bible mark twelve hats. Bible markers. Not communion cups. <laughs> no, not at all. Him koozies. Him koozies. No, not at all. I have some. Uh, I have some hats ordered with our logo on it, and so uh, what I'm lo- excited. What logo? The logo of Dead Dog Theology. Okay. The one that you. It's copyrighted. Huh? <laughs> when I told you that yesterday, you said, hey, that logo's copyrighted. Hey, and for our listeners, I it, is. it, with it you. is. Yeah, that's right. I'm generous. So anyway, so I have some hats ordered, and I'm excited about that, to get those in, in. And it was a limited order because of the availability of these type of hats that I wanted to get. And so uh, we will be offering those on Facebook and, and wherever you can Find Dead Dog Theology. I'm sure I'll post a link somewhere. Well, I want one. I like it. Yeah, you yeah, you get one. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm excited about that coming in. So anyway, so let's recap uh, last week, uh, Expository Worship with Jeff Moloch. We've had a, a lot of good reviews and comments regarding Expository Worship. Is there anything you want to touch on with that? Just the basic summary of what Jeff shared and, and what we were dialoguing in is just as we feel the conviction for expository preaching, as a philosophy, we also want to promote here at Harvestville and to whosoever uh, among our, our churches listening that we would develop the same philosophy of worship, that the songs that we sing and, and how we encourage one another and make music in our hearts to the Lord should flow out of a careful study or exposition of the scriptures. Certainly, worship uses metaphors and artistic license to paint pictures in our minds but we have to make sure those pictures are interpreted correctly and as best we can. I mean, there's some wiggle room as as far as artistry, but as far as uh, revealing Christ and the gospel and, and the continuity of the scriptures of, that we preach, you know, we, we, it's a it's a something to pursue right. as elders and congregation and um, worship leaders. And Jeff did a great job representing that last week. Yeah, so I also want to say thank you one more time to Jeff and all of our elders here at Harvestville Church on, and uh, the way that that uh, you guys faithfully lead our our church and and keep it focused on on Christ uh, centered worship and whether it be sermon or uh, worship 
you know, with music. That's right. So, so far, if you have missed some of our podcasts, you may want to go back and kind of get the rhythm and flow of what we're trying to do here at Harvestville. We've talked about the doctrines of grace and, and how we use systematic theology or frameworks of uh, theology to study the Bible, compare notes and sharpen one another and then preach the scriptures. But the doctrines of grace are very important to us at Harvestville as a framework uh, to summarize and articulate the, the precepts of the gospel. We talked about Christ-centered preaching, uh, and I've, I've noted that from an expositional philosophy. Mm-hmm. Listen, now, again, if there's any aspiring preachers or if, if you're a member of a congregation, the, the power for transformation and the power of Christ himself is, is given to us by the grace of his word. And he's revealed to us and his word sustains us. And, uh, you know, you don't need to hear me talk about a lot of uh, peripheral things, even though as a pastor in a sermon, we do sometimes relationally the stories and illustrations. But the power is in the word. So therefore, we exposit uh, the scriptures. We talk about build biblical eldership. And remember, Brian Haskins was with us and we uh, uh, y'all ended up playing golf with Brian and being able to spend yeah. some time with him relationally and. Uh, we appreciate his representation of a pastor's heart uh, and and what we're uh, aspiring to become and be and become here at Harvestville as a congregation that is el- uh, led by elders. And then last week, we've already talked about expository worship. So today we want to talk about some of the personalities and, and that uh, bring up our partnerships or that comprise our partnerships here at Harvestville and how meaningful they are to us. And so we're going to be talking with Kelly Carnes now. Her husband, Hunter, is an elder here, one of the one of the elders at our church. And we're trying to get a time where Hunter can come in and talk to us again. But Kelly and Hunter have such a uh, a tight knit relationship in in their marriage and in their ministry that we are delighted to be able to talk to Kelly and her role at Harvestville and and then how that comes out of the scriptures, how her role and others who partner with us at Harvestville um, a flow out of the scriptural context of gospel partnerships. For sure. So before we go to Kelly, let's take a quick break and then uh, we'll bring in uh, Kelly Carnes and talk to her for a little bit. We'll be right back with you. Welcome back to segment two of Dead Dog Theology. This week we're excited to have Kelly Star- Kelly Carnes. I almost messed that up. Uh, one of our faithful staff members here at Harvestville Church here on the episode with us. But uh, Kelly, before we come to you and before we start throwing a bunch of questions at you, I just wanted to bring you in, welcome you aboard um, on to Dead Dog Theology and uh, um, also bring Eric in with some scripture that he might want to touch on uh, concerning these this idea of, uh, I think I said earlier, expositional partnership, which is what we are with Kelly in the ministry. Right. And the, these staff interviews are valuable to us to communicate not only to Harvestville Church, but also to all of our listeners on, on how the gospel integrates our partnerships and fellowship, not only in the doing and the duty of ministry, but in the sharing of our lives together as well. And Hunter and Kelly Carnes represent that type of relationship to us here at Harvestville. But I want to spend a few minutes before we uh, get to asking these questions, uh, look at some biblical formation for why times like these are valuable. There's a few examples from Scripture uh, certainly regarding the sincere value of how God uses personalities and partnerships. And a, a lot of those are seen through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. When you take a look at the incredible things God's grace did for Paul, it not only impacted his personal life, but it impacted others around him and how he discipled and influenced them, not even as as one who was a uh, you know a solo minister or just uh, on his own, but he included people sincerely 
in the coming and the going and the operation of the gospel ministry. So we, we have names like Barnabas and Timothy and Silas and Titus and, and then people like Aristarchus and, and, and Tychicus and things, you know, that, that are mentioned throughout his letters and even throughout the book of Acts that are associated with Paul because of the gospel. Now, we may know, have known Kelly and Hunter outside of the gospel ministry. We might have, you know, known them from a purely social uh, experience. But uh, thanks be to God, we have relationships that are founded upon uh, the gospel at Amen. work in us. So if you were to look at Paul's letters, you might, I, I think I've seen lists of up to 60 to 65 people mentioned in the scriptures that were associates of Paul not necessarily in a subordinate way, but on a partnership level. And he uses the word partnership, and I'm going to read from a verse in a minute. That word partnership also can mean fellowship. So there's a connected relationship that is unlike any other relationships that we might describe any any other way, but it identifies these individual personalities with their pursuit of the gospel. So we want to um, bring that into Dead Dog Theology, at least the the podcasts and our formations about plurality of elders or deacon partnerships in the church, male-female roles. We're going to be talking about that in the weeks ahead and how our connectivity in Christ is worth celebrating and worth uh, uh, mentioning and, and enjoying together. So Paul's mission being ex uh, uh, exchanged with others or shared with others and the partnerships that he was very thankful for uh, were recorded for us in Scripture. One such instance is in Philippians 1. This occurred when Paul was in prison at Rome. He was writing back after receiving help from the church at Philippi, and he was expressing that thanks, that earnest thanksgiving to God on behalf of them. It says in Philippians 1, 3 through 6, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership and fellowship in the gospel or partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So we see that word partnership and we see thanksgiving and prayer and joy. And this is something that is really remarkably delightful to be able to share in the setting of working at Harvest Field, serving, you know, we, we labor and we serve with great thanksgiving and joy. So, like I said, uh, there are others on our staff, our, our ministry team here at Harvest Field, but Kelly gets the opportunity to represent them today with her husband, and we're excited to uh, hear her comments today. Welcome aboard, Kelly. Hello. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's definitely good to to have you on the episode. So um, I just want to I read these to uh, Jeff last week, and so I just want to cover these by saying these are our interview goals. We we definitely don't want to feel like we're throwing darts at you or picking on you or anything like that with these questions. We just want to know where your mind's at, and so does our audience um, concerning what we're doing here at HFC. So we hope to esteem the ministry partnerships that we enjoy at HFC by glorifying God for His provision of grace through the personalities. Uh, that God's given us here at Harvest Field. So before we get too deep um, into what you do at Harvest Field now, I think it would be good to go ahead and uh, and, and hear your testimony, um, how, how God saved you. And uh, I know that's something that um, we would we would love to hear from after I've, I've heard your story before. Okay. Um, when I was seven years old, um, I have a twin sister and um, 
God was calling her to make a decision to, to follow Christ at, at that time. And because we're twins and we do everything together, I just followed along with her with what she was doing and said the sinner's prayer and just kind of checked it off like, I'm good. But through the years after that, um, there were times that I could feel the Holy Spirit drawing me to him and just knowing that I didn't sincerely make a decision to follow Christ. So when I was 16, um, that's when I did it. Like I knew and I could feel the Holy Spirit drawing me to him. And like I felt like I didn't I, I don't have a choice. I've got right. to do this and just praying, surrendering my life to him and um asking for forgiveness for my sins and thanking him for dying on the cross for my sins. And just that realization of, you know, what he did for me. Sure. And, um, and then I went through what I sometimes refer to as the yo-yo relationship. Like I would be living my life for Christ and then I'd be living my life for Kelly and, you know, making bad decisions. And I know there were times in my life that people seeing what I was doing, the choices I was making, they wouldn't even know that I had a relationship with Christ. Um, but that's in, let's see, I was dating Hunter when I was 16 and then we broke up, we dated for four years and then we broke up we were away from each other for six years and then we got back together. But, but just real quick, I don't mean to interrupt before I, before we go into Hunter and, and that, that dynamic of you guys' marriage and, and how God's grace uh, worked through that. I did want to touch on, I think you, you made a very important point that, uh, at 16 years old, uh, well, at seven first, it almost seems like that's like a, a peer pressure salvation, you know? Yeah. And so me being in, in student ministry is something I was thinking on earlier was, you know, a lot of times we see that happen. We see, hey, I was saved. And then uh, was I? You know, it, you kind of see that that drastic change of did God really call me to salvation? And then and then that usually happens in the in the student ministry when whenever they're faced with all these different emotions and all these things they're having to deal with. So I think your story is really cool because it's a lot it's a it's a lot like a lot of people's story um, that, you know, ultimately it's God that does the saving, not us make, saying a sinner's prayer that saves. Right. And so uh, thank you for sharing that. Now, let, let me, I'm going to go ahead and let you continue on with the Hunter story because that's really a cool story about how you guys are working in ministry together while you're all also married. Um, so, uh, how, you know, how, how has God worked his grace in your marriage with Hunter and, and what you guys do here at Harvestfield then? Um, well, obviously the transformation through Christ with Hunter at, when, at his salvation um, was transformational for me as well. And just, his grace and mercy. I mean, we were at the point of we were ready to get divorced and um, just God stopping that from happening mm -hmm. was a huge deal. And looking back now, just seeing how he orchestrated everything is, is just kind of a, a, amazing to me. And um, just how he allows us to work with other people who were struggling with the same things that we struggled with and just thankful for his mercy and grace. Um, and I was thinking about um, when I was saved at 16, I'm kind of going back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's okay. Um, the pastor there said that he would send me some discipleship material, and I never did get that material. So I just wanted, that was just kind of a struggle for me. Like, did I really make the decision when I was 16? And does God really care that I made the decision? Why didn't I get that discipleship material, which I know it sounds kind of corny, but my point mm -hmm. to that is 
discipleship is very important. And I was just thinking as I was preparing to do this, that I could have gone to somebody and said, I need discipleship. I need somebody to explain some things to me. And I grew up in church, so I was obviously discipled, you know, by my parents. But sometimes you don't talk to your parents about everything, too. But just clarifying that, 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 you know, we need to be here for people to come to and don't wait to be discipled, ask to be discipled in some circumstances. Seek out that, that personal discipleship. I think we touched on that on a previous episode, Eric. Do you, you recall? Uh, you know, that's where the statement, if you can't find that mentor, you be one. And that just, in short, you, you, somebody's got to take the initiative and sometimes things don't work out ideally, you know, in relationships. So, uh, we, we hope that, uh, you know, we can reach out to discipleship for people that want want that. So it becomes a two-way mutual relationship. And, and Kelly, knowing your story and, and knowing Hunter as he is uh, one of our elders, who would have ever thought, I don't know if when you were, uh, when you and Hunter were married and going through your difficulties, uh, if you could have ever imagined how God would restore your marriage uh, and more and, and put you and your husband in ministry together. Um, uh, a long journey through addiction and all that that brings uh, to a marriage and uh, how God's grace was sufficient in those things. So when you married Hunter, he was a, uh, an alcoholic. He, he was, but I was in denial and he, I was still on my mission to change him, to make sure that he got saved. Right. Like, like I had control over that. And but you were being pulled into his lifestyle too. Well, yeah, I was. I was. And th- there were times that I, well, I sort of got to a point where I just, I started drinking. So I couldn't really say anything to him about him drinking. And so it just kind of got worse from there. And then our marriage started failing. It just got worse as things went by. And instead of trying to, you know, seek out somebody to help counsel us or whatever, we just got deeper into it. And that's when we got to the point that, I mean, I was already there, like making plans where I was going to live. And, you know, I was just done. I was done. Yeah. And, and about, I guess about what time, cause I, I did, I have uh, heard this story now about what time did you guys get towards the celebrate recovery program? Um, and, and things start changing in that, I guess. That was, I believe it's 2006, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, it was 2006, at the end of 2006. And um, my sister was going to the church that hosted the Celebrate Recovery that we were going to. And um, the group that I was involved in was codependency, which that's usually somebody that um, tries to fix people. Mm-hmm. And so I was dealing with my own issues there and was trying to get Hunter to come to celebrate recovery with me. And he finally, how much of his testimony I need to give. He finally came one night and like I told him our marriage, our marriage is not going to make it if you don't come to this. He goes, you're telling me that our marriage isn't going to make it if I don't come to celebrate recovery. And I said, it's not. It's not. Right. So he came that night and 
Um, I can't even remember who was speaking, but when we left, he was griping all the way home. I've never been beat over the head by the Bible in my whole life and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just getting mad. And then all of a sudden, I just realized he's being convicted. Yeah. That, and, you know, that message got to him. And um, it wasn't long after that. He was at work um, on break and there was a, a TV p- preacher that we normally wouldn't listen to. And he had said, um, what kind of husband are you being? And what kind of father are you being to your children? And what kind of example are you being? The things that are coming out of your mouth, what are you teaching your kids? And it just kind of, you know, got his attention about who he was and what kind, you know, what kind of father he was being. And um, I don't know how much, how long after that, he just came up to me and said, I'm not drinking anymore. And I was like, what? I was, I'm done drinking. I'm not drinking anymore. And which kind of made me mad because I went through drinking. But he <laughs> uh, said that he had uh, gone on our front porch and we just started praying that, you know, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. If you're, if you're real, if you're there, I need you to take over my life and help me. And that's, kind of when things started changing in our relationship and his life and then my life and my transformation. It was just kind of funny. It's funny how God works and just the the attention that it got me and my relationship with Christ and where I was. So we both completely turned our lives around. We want to have Hunter on uh, as soon as we can and, and hear more of his story you know, of this gospel transformation and Kelly and Hunter's uh, passion and empathy toward people who are struggling with addictions of various kind. And I've sat with Hunter while he's counseled other addicts. And there's one thing that um, you can't do is fool Hunter. You know, he, he's heard it all. He's made all the excuses. People t- try to justify and rationalize the use of recreational alcohol and, and certainly, you know, we could debate that sometime. But when we talk about addiction, uh, you know, Hunter's strength is it takes one to know one. And, and, and Hunter has been delivered and has been sober and, and, and proven that out so that, so that God can work through him. Um, and so we're, we're just amazed. Like, like I said, I, we wouldn't be sitting in the same room if not for the gospel. That's right. We would have all gone our separate ways and, and not even considered it but uh, it is a miraculous how partnerships and fellowship and and sharing in these things are brought about by god's grace yes all right kelly so let's talk a little bit about hfc now so um what do you do at hfc and also it's a two-pronged question so how long have you served here i have been here for eight years and i so i am the ed, administrator and the financial secretary, and I oversee what's going on in the office. And um, my role is to, um, I guess, not, I don't know why I keep saying. I guess my role is <laughs> getting to, worried <laughs> is to is to enable the church to do what the church is called to do. And so I feel like my role is to help the ministries at Harvestville church Amen. to increase the kingdom for Jesus. And to tell me no, when I want to bring a that's, car in to right. beat with a sledgehammer. Or somebody wants to spend <laughs> a, a bunch of money that's for right. 
something crazy. <laughs> Kelly, uh, you said, how long have you been here exactly? I have been here for she pulled her watch out. eight years, three months, 27 days, and what, four hours <laughs> and two minutes. <laughs> Has Kelly Collins been rehabilitated? <laughs> um, is she looking for parole from uh, the, the Shawshank Baptist Church? Uh, I did not realize that her calendar and her office, those X's represented something other than she's going to hit her end of sentence. <laughs> hastening the day of the return of the Lord. <laughs> That's great. I love that you know the exact date. Uh, and, and I really, I don't remember if it was when I was interviewing for the job, I think I was already hired. I was already hired. It, it was probably the first staff meeting we had. And he said, well, you'll, you'll probably be here about five years. <laughs> I can just tell. I didn't know she was counting it down. <laughs> She's overstated. Her we, yeah, out. I don't know what to do with that now. <laughs> she thought she was going to EOS. For good behavior, you get to serve more. That's so good. Well, uh, Luke, you know, hearing Kelly talk about her duties in an administrative way, but then in the reality of the New Testament, we see the value of administration. And we usually focus on uh, Paul and those who preach and the narratives there, but those on the periphery of, I don't know how to say it, the, uh, the support is not secondary. The support right. is primary in the sense of whether it was delivering a letter or writing, dictating Paul's words in a letter or uh, going to Corinth to spur the Corinthians on to give and then how to take those gifts and take them to Jerusalem. And so the administration of the logistics of the gospel requires godly character and, and the credence of the gospel formation. So with Kelly and Hunter, we're able to see uh, certainly by, El, uh, eldership and hunter's life and then the remarkable opportunity that an elder's wife serve in such close proximity it, it takes a high amount of integrity and accountability and and that um, doance unto the lord as far as administrative i've told kelly i can see that it's more than just a job uh, she has great empathy in her ministry uh, to to take phone calls and all the other things that, yeah. that nobody will ever know, really, except her and, and her Lord. But uh, we do see her empathetic sincerity um, as she cares about her duties here at Harvestville. So, Kelly, um, what has been the most rewarding part of serving at HFC? I think the relationships and um, just the family, the family that you feel here and just being able to minister to people and share what I've been through with other people. Um, and just to let people know that there is hope in the gospel, but it is rewarding to see people change through yeah. that transformation. I would like to note that too. That's something that uh, for me who came to HFC, I guess four or five years ago um, as a member, and then eventually God, God in the congregation, I guess called me on staff and, um, that's something that me and me and my wife talked about has talked about it before that we're, I mean, it really is a family here. Like there's, there's times where uh, I would call somebody that I'm close with at the church to watch my kids. If my family couldn't do it, you know, you know what I'm saying? And now I have family here with my grandparents coming. So it's, it's, it's been a wonderful transition to see 
how how God really wants a church to behave with its members of of how we are all a family. And uh, so I think that that's definitely rewarding for <clears throat> all of us here at Harvest Field. Um, and then to go along with that question, what has been the most challenging part of serving at HFC? I would say ministry would be part of it. I mean, sometimes that is, it gets overwhelming to know so many people going through things and, um, you know, just praying for them. And sometimes that gets a little bit overwhelming. And sometimes ministry gets a little messy too. We've had some situations. But (laughs) anyway, it's... um, Well, I think, Eric, what what is it you're, you've said it numerous times to us if you you care a lot or how, how did you put that? If you, uh, and this was, you know, Angie and I's experience, this was our experience. If you love deeply, you're going to hurt deeply mm-hmm. and you can't separate the two because you either avoid the pain. So you don't love people and you just do your job and you go in and out. But when the spirit, you know, pulls your heart uh, toward others uh, and, and, you know, when others disappoint you or they don't respond the way you would hope, um, you know, then you have to trust the Lord in in, in suffering for doing good. Right. And I know I've watched Hunter and Kelly talk to people and people and people and invite them and give them good advice. And people are just, uh, we're just funny creatures as human beings. We can hear the glory of the gospel and the transformation that comes and then, uh, you know, just continue in our own direction. So right. that requires patient endurance on our part to not grow weary in doing well, but but also not not become jaded or too cynical toward people to protect our heart from getting hurt. Yeah. All right. So uh, what do you see as an opportunity for growth in ministry at HFC? Um, I think we really need to focus on women's discipleship. I don't want to call it women's ministry. I guess it is women's ministry, but for some reason that makes it, kind of a different dynamic, but I really think that we need women's discipleship and um, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We talk about Titus two, three through five, the elder women are supposed to be discipling the younger women, which I don't like to be called. The the (laughs) older older woman. We did uh, mention the fact that Kelly is a grandmother, you know, and, and Lily, she's a very young grandmother. And I think your grandma name is Goody. Good, good, goody, and hunters, grumpy, grumpy. <laughs> and uh, those are great names. Do you have Titus two open? I do. Would you mind just read? I want you to read the shocking uh, blueprint for personal discipleship in the New Testament. Do you want me to read the whole chapter? Well, or? you just you know how I am, but just read that section on older men, and then go to older women, and then what the older women are supposed to be teaching. Then it is the whole chapter. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and read that part. You remember that, that crazy part about the, Jesus coming to earth? Okay. Titus 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, 
that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond, serv bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and un ungodliness and worldly passions to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the, in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope for the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's amazing. That's one of the most countercultural uh, texts of scripture you could read in this modern uh, gender confused age. Even I'm not even talking about gender uh, confusion in the world, the church, you know, in our own uh, denomination, you know, battles over the roles of men and women and where and when and what and uh, complementarianism versus egalitarianism and all these isms, isms, isms. But when we come back down to the basic formation of the gospel, as given to Titus, uh, you know, it comes down to personal discipleship and the training up of the, the next generation. So older women, you know, we usually think about that as being, you know, grandma and grandpa old, old. But at some point you have to realize in the church that you as a man or woman are older than somebody, you know, and I think it has to do with maturity a lot, but uh, that's what we, uh, for both men and women's discipleship, just that simple that each man and each woman could have that experience, at least for some time in their Christian formation of, of that kind of interaction in the how-tos of making the gospel known uh, by our submissive relationships. Amen. All right. So we're, we're up against where I'm, I'm having to take a segment break. I want to come back to you with one more question and then uh, we're going to get less serious on a couple other funny questions and we'll, we'll, we'll come back with you uh, here in just a moment. Okay. Welcome back to dead dog theology for a final segment. And we are interviewing Kelly Carnes on behalf of our partnerships in the gospel and how Paul made it a point to esteem those partnerships and, and rightly so. And we want to do our part today as Kelly and Hunter represent all those who are connected here at Harvest Field and their hearts are knitted together with them in the gospel. Uh, Kelly, a couple of final questions, just kind of getting to the heartbeat of, uh, you know, beyond your duties of paperwork and numbers and, and those uh, data processing things, uh, you know, the, the empathy of the heart and the stirring of the heart. I want to ask you, uh, tell me something that, that God is doing in your heart personally that you're observing at Harvest Field Church, something that makes your heart beat faster in regards to potential ministry? I really think that um, there's like a stirring anyway at Harvest Field, um, but I think the women's uh, discipleship needs to 
start moving. And so we've been talking to some women about that and just trying to figure out how to, to get that started and what that looks like and um, what material we're going to use and all of that kind of stuff. And I was saying like when I was 16 and didn't receive that discipleship information, I obviously would have been doing that on my own and we're not supposed to do discipleship on our own. So I think, you know, waiting around for somebody to disciple you, you can ask for somebody to help you with that. Um, Even if it's just a question and we disciple each other, all the time, right. every day in different circumstances, but we do want to start up some kind of ministry for that. Um, but just praying about where God is leading us in that and how to work that out. The thing it requires, uh, you know, we are a home group church and we have groups of married people or single people, whatever the group comprises of that meet, you know, weekly or so for discipleship. So that dynamic is in place for older men and younger men and, and couples. This, uh, I think what we're talking about for men and women is that opportunity for one-on-one discipleship alongside of home groups or, or the corporate gathering and preaching and singing of the church. So it's very personal. It's very something that, uh, you know, where th- that individual can benefit from, even if they're part of another group, a discipling group. So it's a great opportunity for growth at HFC. Um, with this interaction. Um, Kelly, anything else, anything else that you think would uh, strengthen our listeners and encourage them? I, I, I know there's been women who have heard your story and maybe struggling with a husband dealing with addiction, maybe struggling with their own addiction. You said something about codependency earlier and we all kind of modify our behavior uh, based on our surroundings. But I guess one, if you could give them these ladies listening one last word on hope, um, not to give up hope in the gospel. Yes, that is very important because I was praying for Hunter since I was 16 years old and just hoping that something would happen. Even, you know, before we broke up, I even prayed for him during that, the process that we weren't together. Um, but don't give up and keep praying. And it, it happens in God's timing. And I know there was purpose in that and God's timing, because if it happened when I wanted it to happen, then it would have been all about me instead of it being about God's work in Hunter's life. And so. So to our ladies, you know, if any of this is uh, struck a note in your heart, Kelly is available. We try to make ourselves available to you guys. You can call the church office or if you can gain access to one of our phone numbers, we would love to talk with you to come by and sit down and hear your story and, and see how God might use, um, the gospel story uh, in your life and, and stir in that patience for hope in your life. So we would love to do that and make ourselves available to you. Hey Amen. So Kelly, a uh, couple different things, just uh, interacting, I guess, with you personally. And so uh, I'm going to ask some, some quick questions, I guess, to, to kind of get you less serious because we've been talking about a lot of heavy stuff, a lot of good stuff concerning the ministry. So uh, just kind of less serious stuff. So um what are you doing this weekend, first off? I am going to spend as much time with Lily as I possibly can. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and and uh, so you guys, I, and I, I wanted to point this out, Hunter's uh, Twitter it absolutely owns me because he always posts the picture of Lily and it said, it's the daily dose of cuteness. Yes. And it's a picture of Lily every day. <laughs> and it's so funny how she just, she seems very happy. She is very happy. How did you guys do that? Well, I mean, <laughs> she, she does have a temper. But most of the time, she's very happy. 
Yeah, we're having to get onto my my now one year old tomorrow. She's like mad all the time. But anyway, sometimes I don't know. She's funny too. All right. So uh Eric's questions. These are questions for our guests. Yeah. We're concerned. Just ask the question. <laughs> I don't, I don't want it. Let, no. What's your favorite place to shop at? You skipped it. I'm coming back to it. I didn't want to ask it yet. Um sitting on my couch. <laughs> Not a shop. On Amazon. Just Amazon. There you go. Yeah. I don't like to go out shopping. All right. And and I'm seeing uh beach goals. Do you have beach goals? Is that basketball goals? It's beach goals. <laughs> if I could be at the beach 24-7, I would be at the beach okay. 24-7. And is it Destin or Gulf Shores? Gulf Shores. Okay. I, I'm a Gulf Shores person, too. I like Destin, too, but Gulf Shores. Destin's fun. All right. So I guess I'm going to ask it now. How are things going for you physically? They're okay right now, but from time to time, I do have low back pain. See, Luke, that's normal. You don't, because your 28-year-old physical self. That's not a normal one. Yes, it is. That affects everything. We just ate at Western Sizzling, because it is Podcast Tuesday, and you tell me that physicality is not part of our lives. I mean, you know. It matters. Fork to face. Fork to face. That's a big deal. All right. <laughs> Listen, so, you you'll gonna... be wanting somebody to ask you that when you get a little bit. I've older. learned something about mine and your friendship. Yeah. That I need to ask you every now and then. How are you physically? Thank you. Thank you. I, I sit there and, and wait for it. Thank, thank you for yesterday. You helped me pick up a picnic table. I can help you pick up a picnic table once. <laughs> Very strong. <laughs> you, you scoffed at me because I thought about eating somebody else. Yeah. Like, ah. well, that's right. <laughs> Mm. you've been hitting the gym so that's mm. what it is anyway mm. all right so uh kelly what is something you're excited about lily. <laughs> lily i think that's a recurring theme <laughs> women's discipleship i really lily. am excited about the women's discipleship I am. <laughs> that's great all right so uh what do you think about the podcast i think it's good i think um talking about theology and just people know to let people know what that is and just talking about Harvestville church and um, what we do here and our love for people and our relationships with each other and just being able to fellowship with each other. And I think this is a good way to get that out there. Did you, did you know that when you came on here, you would be heard by millions? People all over the world. We, the world. Have, we have people listening uh, all the way to Albertville. <laughs> I'm really hoping that somebody is going to ask me for my autograph. Uh, it's not millions. It's your, more like life will change uh, as of today. We are. We do have a growing audience, so we want to thank you guys for listening. Um, before I ask this last question, which is really good, because I guess this is going to be a recurring theme here on Dead Dog Theology. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for tuning in and listening and, and uh, be and sure to check out. Our we Facebook. haven't done the cultural update yet. So you do, ask do the, no, I think we do the culture update and I, I'll close on that question. All right. Uh, real quick, our, our counterculture movement of the gospel, just not, not to politicize our podcast, but there's things that intersect our lives from local traffic changes. Uh, we, we are finally learning not to cross double yellow lines in Rainbow City. They'll, they'll build a blockade up there if, if you keep turning into the oil change place or you try to make your way from Walgreens anywhere, uh, you know, west on Rainbow Drive. So but, now you got that 
that barrier to deal with. With I, I think it's precious. <laughs> they definitely declared you cannot turn there. You cannot turn there <laughs> unless you turn somewhere else. And then <laughs> uh, Southside 77, I noticed they put the eye in the sky, the little police monitor thing. It's a little yeah. creepy to me with the solar panel. Just reading your tags. I actually I saw the it. guys putting it up and... I mean, it looked like a men in black thing. It was, it was pretty. Hey, uh, while we're on Southside, did you see where the park opened up down there? The park opened that's up. That's really and cool. That's glorious. I want to, I want to go out there. If I had a grandchild like Lily, I would be excited about that. But um, anyway, uh, we look forward to launching the boat there. Um, I, I got a text earlier about the uh, news, breaking news about Roe versus Wade and the uh, federal mandate for abortion on demand. Uh, possibly being overturned by the Supreme Court. But the scandal was that it was leaked out by somebody inside the court on the staff or something. And that it really is a travesty of justice, too, when a society threatens their their court justices uh, right. by leaking information. It, that's an outright threat on their lives. That's right. And so that that bothered me. Uh, I'm I'm holding back a little bit to make sure I have the details, but it is a remarkable thing that a a federal law that's been in in force this long could be overturned and returned back over to the states so um i'm i'm interested and optimistic and and certainly certainly here at harvestville we we believe in the right to life and that life begins at conception and people are born in the image of god and and uh, abortion should not be used as uh, delayed contraception and and all those moral ramifications but but to to realize the potential of each person having the opportunity to hear the gospel and the value of that, and uh, so I'm excited about that on a, on a somber, serious note. Yeah. But uh, and then we can always go back to local traffic too. To, <laughs> local to, traffic, <laughs> local, dog local traffic. I do want to touch on the uh, the inmate that's escaped from. I, I should have Googled the county. It's a county in Alabama. There's been there's a movie being made in Alabama right now because of this story. I'm sure. I think starring Nicolas Cage and uh, <laughs> Winona Ryder or, or something. That'd be good. This inmate escapes with the help of like the second in command it's, at it's the a, jail that it's was retiring. A beautiful Romeo and Juliet <laughs> gone Bonnie bad. And it's Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, it's uh, Billy Joe and Bonnie Sue. <laughs> Bonnie was a correctional officer. That's uh, it's scary. They keep putting his, they can't uh, find them. his uh, face up there and hers. And the, he, he grew three inches from the first time they announced it too. Did you notice that? He was 6'6", six, six, and now he's 6'9". I'm telling you, go to Walmart in Atala. <laughs> he's there. Sooner or later, uh, those pajama pants are going to match up. Uh, uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, I couldn't help but notice I, you have pajama pants on. With, they had a six-hour pretty much head start, so I kind of think... What direction? I Where would you go? Mexico. I think I think they're gone. I don't think... I'm not sure. We'll find them. I think I mean it's a six-hour head start. In Give today's me six hours, modern world with satellites and everybody's got a phone. And what she knows with law, in law enforcement, I'm telling you. Did you know? Her? Did you ever work no, with I never, her? I don't know her. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Luke is a former uh, uh, parole, uh, no, uh, prison guard. Correctional officer. Correctional officer. Sorry. No, that, no, no, not just a guard. Didn't mean to diss you there. <laughs> <laughs> At our St. Clair Federal no crime state state <laughs> and local government facility and a, he was also a police officer there you go so that was he, he knows a little bit about these things i the played criminal, ball back in my the day. criminal mind the, 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 the criminal mind deviant tendencies 
<laughs> Do you have anything else you want to hit on before we go to this last? I question? think that's pretty much enough. I won't say anything about Jack's drive-through spilling over into Highway 77 <laughs> every day. <laughs> Blocking commerce and free trade in America because you want your biscuit and gravies. Easy. I like that over there. I know it. <laughs> I just don't it. block. Oh, uh, my my truck is in the shop, and my dear friend Luke so generously let me borrow his 2003 Chevrolet XD 2500 diesel towing machine. So Luke is a big man. We've talked last week. He was born big, <laughs> and that's not it. I mean, that's just an observation. Uh, born big, and. Uh, He's still, he's a big man. And so I jump up in there and I feel like a little kid. I, I could barely see over the steering wheel and I, there's no adjustment for, for that. So I, I need to borrow Zinni's car seat. And uh, I think I could sit in it in that truck and see over the windshield. So if you see a white 25 uh, HD rolling coal over the south side bridge, but you don't see anybody, no driver. No driver. <laughs> That's me, you know. So maybe my truck will get fixed, and I can get on my pillow and drive. <laughs> you use a pillow, really? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, Kelly. Last question. What was your favorite pet growing up? This is the official dead dog theology question for all guests. Question of the week, sponsored by Cheerwine. Question of the question. <laughs> Let's not repeat last week's humor. Sorry. I didn't Repeat the question. Did I say we that? talked about your wine last week. You're it's a, worth talking about everything. Your addiction. <laughs> Haley's codependent. Not just mine now. Yeah. <laughs> what was I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't drink it. What was your favorite pet growing up? Snuffy. Snuffy. A dog? A dog. Mm. And he's dead. <laughs> he gone. He gone. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that's our point. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> I gotta ask that question every week. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it proves their point every week. Yep. 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 And they did. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to to check out uh, our Facebook page at Dead Dog Dead Dog Theology Podcast. Um, you'll see all of our updates there and. Uh, you also potentially see some merch coming out, which I'm excited about. I forgot about that. You got some hats coming. Got some hats coming. Dead in. dogs on them. That's right. So uh, got those ordered, and we should be seeing those hopefully soon. Um, and also be sure to subscribe, leave a leave a review on our, a good review. Yeah, a good review. That's right. Five stars. Five stars. Yeah. Um, on all of your listening platforms for Dead Dog Theology. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on our Facebook page. And I've already plugged it. So and if you did, uh, back to, if you had a question, you can email us like eric at Harvestfield Church. You can take any of our names and put in front of at Harvestfield Church and we'll get your email and reply. You can click on the Facebook link and make a comment. We'll comment back to you and get you our personal information. If you need some biblical counseling and encouragement, we'd, we'd love to do that for you. I know you're trying to be serious, but you can't put Luke at Harvestville Church. They could. They couldn't. They could. Never would have made it to me. I didn't say it would make it to you. It's a bitter subject right now. I'm just saying. You You hadn't been here long enough. (laughs) You're still in that trial period. I told Kelly maybe five years. I I told you maybe five weeks. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.